0: Welcome to Live Light Podcast,
1: an open conversation on what we think matters in the lighting design board. I am Mariam and I am Donna. Let's get lit.
0: As we mentioned in our intro, this podcast is primarily to start an open conversation with different people from diverse backgrounds working in the lighting design field. Their journey in this field, their struggles, their curiosity, and expectations. So as for our first episode, we decided to go back to the beginning. The moment when we all decided that lighting design was the path for us to take and ponder on.
1: We tend to make decisions by exploring alternatives to solve a problem achieve a goal or prove something to ourselves or others. The process of decision making follows a few steps such as defining and identifying an urge, assessing and considering all pros and cons, and finally implementing the act or the idea in our lives. Down the line, we evaluate our decisions and wonder whether or not it was a good call. So the big question we go over in this episode is what do we lighting designers seek in lighting design? And that leads to elaborating a bit more on what we expected and what lighting design is in reality.
0: We talked to a few architectural lighting students from Wismar since they are at the beginning of their journey and a few fellow lighting designers with several years of practice. We were eager to hear their story and what made them take this path.
1: Interesting enough, we received contrasting answers which led us to recognize a few fundamental reasons where lighting designers and students we talked to seek in the lighting design field. The diverse answers in these episodes are shedding so much light on how our backgrounds affect our interpretation of the field, what we are looking for in it, and also things that could be improved in this field. Right, let's dive into their answers and share their
0: stories. We start with Caroline Timmermans. Caroline is a good friend, former classmate, and fellow lighting designers based in the Netherlands. She runs her own design studio called C Lightwise, working as an independent lighting designer since December 2012, combining her passion for space, light, shadow, design, and communication. She's the Dutch Ambassador for Women in Lighting, and this allows her to share her joy and passion for and knowledge about light as well as increasing the visibility of women in this sector.
1: During her study interior architecture at the University of Arts in Utrecht, she learned much about space, shapes, color, material, and architecture, but also about the differences between seeing and visually perceiving spending a study year in florence italy ignited her fascination for light and here i quote her light is an unmistakable element in the arts and architecture and the interplay between light and space is almost magical here during her internship with an architectural firm, she saw how lighting designers were included in several projects to make the overall picture complete, seeing that connection provided more fuel for her fire. And I quote again, after all, one can create the greatest architectural design, but without light it isn't visible. In 2016, she completed the master program, architectural lighting and design management and Hochschule Wismar.
0: Right, and this is how we met and we became friends since... I can really relate to Caroline's story here since I also come from an interior design background and my attraction to light started early in my bachelor degree and it just kept on growing. I found light as a medium that influences and elevates the built environment in so many ways and shapes and forms and that was just so fascinating to me. And similarly for Caroline, the main factors behind her decision to become a lighting designer are focused on fundamental of light as a medium. As she describes, the interplay between light light, shadow, and space, not only in architecture, but also in theater, sets an atmosphere which can change completely in a blink of an eye. The fact that one's able to use the intangible material light as building brick and scene setter is just fascinating to her. She goes further on describing creating spaces adding to the sense of being, whether it is conscious or not the receiver, putting attention to details, to me, all comes together in lighting design.
1: As for her expectations, she says, I never thought it would be an easy job, but I might have expected that the awareness of light in general and the necessity of lighting design would be carried and supported on a broader level. Of course, it is valued and supported by clients, though I think there is still a long way to go before architectural lighting design is an equally valued profession as architecture or landscape architecture and seen as an expertise that requires proper education. A lighting design parallels the design process of a spatial design, There are different phases and decision-making moments, and it is not a matter of meeting the standards and filling out the blanks in the calculation software.
0: Interesting. We have received answers from other lighting designers that we can get into later on similar to this point. For Caroline, in her experience and opinion, lighting designers have to continue on stepping forward and explaining and promoting our profession. She emphasizes that lighting design is not an add-on or luxury, it's a necessity. For her closing thoughts, Caroline emphasizes again on us as lighting designers to stand up for our industry. She says, get educated, educate and listen to others, especially your client. Listen to the questions behind the questions be honest, collaborate with other lighting designers and application and project teams. Share your knowledge and passion and don't be afraid of losing clients, which are I guess good practices whether you are a lighting designer or not or whether you're in another field.
1: We now move on with another fellow lighting designer, Fanny Perino. She works for Lichtkunst Licht in Berlin and um, we met each other in one of lighting design parties in Berlin, mm-hmm. uh, kept in touch and kind became friends. Fanny actually had a very interesting path to lighting she started studying biology in an engineering school in France but soon she realized uh, this is not made for her and she doesn't want to spend her time in a lab working on small bacteria that you can see only under a microscope
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> actually
2: funny <laughs>
1: but she tried to make the best out of it so she got in touch with another department in her school that was called Urban System as uh, she was always attracted to architecture and design and she would love to walk in the city during day and night and she was also uh, fascinated by the change of atmosphere of the city at night for her internship, unlike her classmates she tried to get as far away as possible from civil engineering and one of her professors uh, mentioned as a side note that there are people who work with light all day long <laughs> and uh, she thought that could be something for her and after all she got in contact with Anne Bourreau in Brudo through her professor and got an internship in there and that's how she dived in lighting design after finishing her study and internship, while she had applied for a few programs uh, for architecture, she got recommended to work at a tour. and this is the rest of the story from her own voice. Voice. Yeah. And I ended
2: up at Concepto, Roger Narboni's studio, where I really had a nice year. And that's where I started to think, okay, maybe lighting design is really the work that I want to do. It's really like the career I want to start. I even dropped the idea of studying architecture and say like, okay, no, I will stay at Roger's first and see where it goes yeah i've been starting in paris it was like 2016 so i think it's my eighth year of being a lighting designer
0: we then asked fanny about main factors behind her decision on becoming a lighting designer for her her experience working with passionate co-workers who were experts in the field was very much influential in her journey she was impressed by the amount of knowledge and a specialization involved in lighting design additionally the lack of university programs in france specifically focused on lighting design meant that many of her co-workers had diverse backgrounds such as electrical engineering and learned the trade on the job and this is really interesting because we all experience the same working in different offices and I it's, exactly. which is quite nice yeah Fanny wants to explore a career that combines she wanted essentially to explore a career that combined technical skills with artistic expression she was drawn to the creative and aesthetic aspects of lighting design especially the opportunity to work with light as a sculptural element on architecture and landscapes
1: as for her expectations from lighting design Fanny began working as a lighting designer without specific expectations, but considers herself fortunate for having worked in various studios in different countries. These experiences help her develop her own vision and a nostalgic and romantic perspective on her work. Initially a junior, she enjoyed the creative atmosphere of her first experience at Concept Duo, and now as a project lead at Licht she appreciates the aspects of project management and team leader. But for bothersome issues, let's hear Fanny. If there is something that is annoying me right now
2: in my practice and at my job, it's just like the project's became way too digitalized. Of course, uh, since pandemic time, we are uh, meeting less and less physically uh, with the teams, like with the architects, but also with the client. or we reduced a lot uh, the site's uh, visits. And I mean, it has its benefits. It's wonderful to be connected and to be able to work with people that are not in the same place. And... It goes fast and etc. But I think it's losing a bit of the human dimension. And the human dimension is probably the one that is interesting me the most. And also, I think we are losing so much time <laughs> writing emails and uh, also uploading stuff on servers and writing protocols and everything it's like I wouldn't have guessed when I started that it would be that amount of time dealing with that kind of work and I understand why it's important for the project uh, to have this type of documentation but yeah it's a bit boring at the same time.
0: Fanny reflects on her role as a lighting designer and explains that it encompasses more than just designing lighting solutions. She highlights the importance of understanding the project's vision and translating it into technical solutions. In addition to technical aspects, she mentions the need to consider factors like architecture, building usage, construction, environment, and cost. The work also involves tasks such as writing emails, protocols, and presenting to teams, sometimes in a foreign language. Fanny acknowledges that being a lighting designer requires hard work and deep involvement in
1: projects.
0: And this is very in tune with what Caroline shared with us in complexities of our work as lighting designers. Exactly. Which most people are not aware of. This complexity that comes with the job also has negative impact on us. We're making it challenging to separate work from personal life. Fanny expresses the need for a clear separation between work and personal time. Despite the challenges, Fanny, like a lot of us, finds her job rewarding, especially when she sees the finished project and witnesses the impact of her lighting design. Another aspect that Fanny finds challenging, and I think again we all can relate to, is the time constraint and with projects always having tight deadlines. She senses the need for more time to fully develop and present her ideas as she believes it is crucial for delivering a good lighting design concept. She believes having more time would make her happier in her job and help her meet her expectations more efficiently, leading to a stronger conviction in her work.
1: We asked Fanny for her thoughts on how we can improve the field to get closer to her expectations. Fanny works in Germany where they mostly communicate in German or English, rarely using her native language. Initially, she felt nervous about speaking, fearing that people wouldn't understand her. So. To gain more confidence, she engaged in activities during her spare time, such as Toastmasters, and pursued other hobbies that helped boost her self-confidence. And she has some recommendations. So yeah, I would recommend
2: um, to try to not to be afraid to uh, change offices and see uh, different practices. And one other thing that would improve our conditions and probably make me less frustrated in my work uh, would be more time. I have the feeling right now everything has to go fast and it's not only our responsibility but it's unfortunately the projects are like this always with tighter timelines I feel. And yeah, it's impossible I feel to deliver a good concept, good lighting design if you don't have time to really let your ideas get mature, So I wish I had more time. And I think if I had more time to design and to make a nice presentation, I would be happier with my job and I would meet more of my expectations because I would be even more convinced about what I am doing. Yeah.
1: I can relate to Fanny here as I'm also working in Germany and neither of English nor German are my native language and I'm in a completely different culture from my country of origin Iran. I also think uh, training the soft skills that Fanny mentions are crucial for lighting designers and if there are opportunities through classes or workshops it would be beneficial for both uh, the lighting designer and the company that they are working at otherwise uh, most of us go through this process of managing the projects on our own which might not result in the best possible practices it is especially important uh, for the management role as you see that in other fields these roles are occupied by people who are specialized for these roles in lighting design practices managers are mostly experienced lighting designer and there's nothing wrong with that but at the same time it gives this part a big margin of trial and error, and it feels like it's resulting in a lot of waste of resources.
0: Thank you, Fanny, for your insight and also Donna for your input. You're welcome. <laughs> we next move to Madrid. Our next fellow designer is Mathis Ali Askari from Tehran, Iran. She is a lighting designer and researcher at Lighting Design Collective Madrid. She has a master's in architecture from her hometown in Tehran in 2010. And following her master's, she moved to Sweden to do a master's in lighting design and also started working as a researcher in the field of participatory design and design anthropology for a couple of years. Then, through her research project in Madrid, she got redirected into the world of lighting design again in 2015, when she joined the Lighting Design Collective for 6 months research project initially, and it has been 8 years since then. She has always been interested in how the built design world can influence the way people engage with each other. In her own words, this can be from a micro scale linked with product design to the macro scale of urban planning.
1: For the main factors behind her decision on becoming a lighting designer, she can clearly remember the first time she heard about interactive architecture and the role of light in it was when she was studying architecture and she thought this is something that she would like to explore more. At that time, the field was relatively new and she thought by studying lighting design, she can explore triggering sociability through the power of interactive scenarios using light as a tool. To quote her exact words, how light affects our perception of space and how we lighting designers can fabricate memories is part of the profession I'm most passionate about.
0: In terms of her expectations from lighting design, she had quite high expectations, thinking that maybe she would get the opportunity to mostly work on interactive lighting proposals. And reality was far from what she believed. However, she thinks that the future of our field is highly affected by the experienced economy and how this space would be used to connect the user to this space through experiences, data, and more.
1: To improve our field, she recommends looking at it as a multidisciplinary field where we need to have a good understanding of design, storytelling, media architecture, user experience, and more. She believes traditional lighting design has already become a commodity and newcomers require smart positioning to have a bright future. She would say to train new lighting designers we need to shift the education to more futuristic approaches in architecture and design and also it's our role as lighting designers to educate our clients so that they can understand the value and benefits of digital spaces. A balanced mix between traditional lighting and use of media, sound, etc. to create novel connections between people, light and space. I quote her here, I'd like to emphasize that user context, meaning, and sustainability are the main topics to start with when we start the design process. And of course, if new technologies aren't the answer to that, then there's no need to implement them for the sake of it.
0: I can resonate with few of the points that Mattis is making here. The reason why I say that we are at the age of Internet of Things or surpassing it and entering another realm with AI. Being exposed to other design fields via friends or reading about how other disciplines are moving forward, I feel like lighting per se is not moving as fast and the more I think about it, I believe the reasoning is because our field is so niche and it still feels so young that for most parts, what we do and how we do it feels still relevant. But again, looking outside of our field into other disciplines, it feels more and more eminent that we need to comprehend and pick up forward-driven skills and incorporate more of an interdisciplinary approach to our field, especially now with the age of AI and its fast development in architecture and design. We can discuss this in another episode. I won't get into it much. But yeah, I just wanted to add my thought at the end of this sector with Mathis.
1: Okay, Maria. We can now take one step back and review the answers we received from two newcomers in Lighting Design. Amir and Yui are students of University of Bismarck and they have recently completed their internship in the field. I think it's a nice change to see our field from their point of view as they are at the start of their journey and their outlook is still shaping. So let's begin with Amir. Amir Kamyabi
0: is from Iran. Amir has been fortunate to be exposed to different cultures, ideas, and designs. And the reasoning why is because he has lived in several different countries. He has his bachelor's degrees majoring in interior architecture in Bangkok and worked as an interior designer for two years in Bangkok prior to coming to Bismarck. As he says, he's always wanted to study a master's program, always planned to either go bigger or more specialized, and finally decided on more specialized while remaining close to the field of architecture. And as he quotes himself, what better than enhancing the architecture, am I right? Working as an intern, he realizes that lighting design is quite different from interior design. He misses the power of influence on the whole design, which he had as an interior designer versus lighting design. Interesting enough, during his internship, Amir has found the amount of documentation in lighting overwhelming, which is very similar to what Fanny shared with us as a project lead with several years of experience in lighting. Amir also wishes to have a bit of design, more and less documentation. Don't we all wish that sometimes?
1: (laughs) We do. Now I move to the next student, Yuri Astakhov. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correct, Yuri. He's from a city near Baltic Sea where he spent most of his life studying and playing music and he was studying at ITMO University which is strong in the IT sphere but also has good programs at uh, photonics and optics He has a bachelor in lighting engineering with specialization in optical mechanical design. Yuri's main factor on becoming a lighting designer was his desire to switch to a more creative sphere where he could apply knowledge he had got during his bachelor. And at the same time, he had a feeling that he wanted to do something which could make people's life better. In his words, he explains... In comparison with designing a spectrometer for a metal manufacturer, enlightening a public space which people can enjoy and appreciate seemed more coherent and reasonable to me. I felt that the lighting design was a good fit. This is intriguing and brings us back to Fanny's story of not wanting to become a biologist and look at tiny bacteria via microscope. Yuri would definitely be happy to create a project from scratch and go with it until it is executed and he thinks it will help him to see the Real life in the profession and he can learn from the results. in general he would like to create atmospheric lighting design with some artistic touch otherwise he feels that a profession loses some magic last but not least like you and I Mariam Yuri also wants to meet new inspiring people. The community of lighting designers seems to be small, but there are always new good thoughts around, he would say. And he would add, it would be nice to meet people who share the same values and look in a similar direction.
0: Well, thank you Amir and Yuri for sharing your stories with us. It is definitely refreshing to see the industry from your standpoint. In conclusion, the fundamentals for Caroline revolved around understanding light as a medium, but her expectations of promoting industry and raising awareness towards light may have differed from reality she experienced. On the other hand, Fanny's fundamental focus lies in the value of human touch, emphasizing less documentation and more time dedicated to projects, along with opportunities to develop soft skills that contribute to career advancement. As for our friend Mattis, multidisciplinary approaches to lighting practice are crucial, yet there are some frustration when it comes to embracing digitalization and using data in the field. Throughout our discussions with these designers, it became evident that each individual's perspective on the fundamentals of lighting design highlights their unique priorities within the industry.
1: This episode marks the conclusion of our initial attempt to connect to these steam designers and shed light on their experiences. However, we are far from finished. We eagerly invite you, our listeners, to share your own thoughts and perspective on these matters we've discussed today. If you are interested in participating, please reach out to us via email, uh, which is stated in the show notes, and we'll provide you with our questionnaire. Once we gather enough responses from all of you, we'll record a follow-up episode to delve deeper into the topic and reflect your invaluable insights.
0: Thank you for joining us in this episode and stay tuned for more engaging discussions in the episodes to come. Remember, it is through the power of collective wisdom and shared experiences that we truly illuminate the path ahead in a captivating world of lighting design.